Welcome to The Blender, and happy Thanksgiving. Hope you had a good time, enjoyed some time with your family, were able to watch some football and the match. Now, we are recording this on Wednesday in full transparency, so we don't know what happened, but I want to get to it today, Dave, and find out what you think is going to happen, because a lot of smack talking pre-match, and I feel like some of the golf world is kind uh, kind of dissing the match a little bit. Rory came out and basically said they've had their time. (laughs) <laughs> what do you think happened yesterday? Good promotion. I was jealous that Sage Steele got to – I wasn't jealous. I actually was happy for her. But, you know, it's good promotion. And I think if I was Rory and the others, I would diss the thing too because I'd want my shot to prove that I'm the best after Tiger whoops up on some Mickelson. All right. Ahead of time, I'm saying I don't know I don't know that I like the fact that there's no fans. Uh, I don't like that at Blaine all. Blaine had mentioned prior, he said he would have liked to see a waste management open sort of environment. I agree. That would have been the cool. Fans talking trash, making side bets. They they lost a lot of good content. Well, we know there was a $100,000 bet that was doubled to $200,000 on the first hole. Uh, hopefully there was some other stuff going on. If you've watched and you know, uh, send us some tweets there at Dave Meltzer, at David Meltzer on Instagram, at David Meltzer on Twitter. I'm at Jason M. Brennan. Let us know what you thought of it. Is this something that the PGA should do again? If so, with who? Yeah. So is the PGA, is this a PGA event? I, I yeah. don't know. I don't definitely people get confused, right? Sure. But yeah, no, this should they absolutely should do this. You know, going off of MMA, going off of boxing, mix MMA and boxing. This is really good pay per view. And I like I think it's undervalued. I think they could have charged more. Um the only difference is I'd make it an experience because people like that combination. Like I can go or I can watch it on pay per view. I think they're making a big mistake uh by not having everyone there. Especially have you ever been to Vegas at Thanksgiving? Yeah, there's I have. nobody there, right? Exactly. So it used to be c- Christmas that way. Now everybody goes for Christmas. Yeah, I, I was in in Vegas last Thanksgiving actually, and it was like a ghost town. There was nobody. Yeah. It took about forty five minutes to get a drink, and I was like, "Hey, hey, <laughs> didn't you guys know I was coming?" All right. When we get back, lots to talk about, including this was the year of predictions for Dave Meltzer. We're going to get into Boom. that and more. A lot of these things came true, and you're going to be shocked what they were. Back with more Blender in just a few. All right, welcome to the Blender, Jason Brennan, Dave Meltzer. Thank you for listening. Uh, Dave, before the break, we talked about this was the year of Dave Meltzer predictions, right? And now you make a lot of them, so some of them are correct. Some of them are. I'm 50 for 50 when I make a decision, let alone a prediction. And let's give a little plug to the 50 for 50, uh, raising over a million dollars for the Unstoppable Foundation. You can make a donation by texting. Uh, 50 for 50. 50 for 50 to what is it? 555 Good. That wasn't on my notes this morning. Yeah, we got it. appreciate that. Cool. All right. One of the predictions that you made this morning, or not this morning, this past year. Actually, it's been a couple of years. We talked about how Major League Baseball, the the people watching on television, while it's still up across professional sports, and we bring this up because Fox just signed a new $5 billion uh, agreement with the Major League Baseball to broadcast their games. Big, big money. Um, but DAZN, uh, who is being run by John Skipper, formerly of ESPN, is putting together a red zone channel for Major League Baseball. I heard that first on the blender. I think out of any sport, it was needed. And I think it was, my idea it was driven by Trout. Because I kept on hearing as I traveled around the country, like, I wish I could just, like, be plugged in when Trout was up. Right? I'm not an Angels fan, 
but it'd be cool just to watch his at bats or Harper's at bats or you know when Kershaw's pitching, you know certain bases loaded incidents. And I said, yeah, it should be like the red zone, and I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, I'd look into investing with the boy. You know, I, I believe in this full heartedly. I think that's the appetite that people have. Uh, it started with ESPN with just highlights. Now it's in these Insta lights, and the Insta lights are the red zone type of atmosphere, and it works so well with all sports, especially if you're involved in fantasy because you can check out your players. Right, and you see Major League Baseball going to this now. It's a three hundred million dollar deal with the zone, but. I think the NBA has been really good at this for a number of years, and especially how they've embraced social media and things are on Twitter, and you don't get busted for sharing stuff. But if you if you share a bat and at bat in Major League Baseball, you might get a cease and desist letter before it hits the uh, right. hits the screen. Uh, is that the sort of you know environment that Major League Baseball needs to put them in? Because I'm watching whether it's new players for Duke, the the fabulous freshmen they have, or players in the NBA where I'm getting fed this all the time. Major League Baseball, it's a it's a long game, right? And you watch for four hours, see Mike Trout at bat five times. You kind of need something like this. You definitely need it. And I think it's really important for Major League Baseball to understand there's a competitive atmosphere about the content that's being provided. And if they want the future, right? I was told, I, I was always told there's $4 billion on the internet and growing. Someone said yesterday there's 6.3 billion. Yeah, that people. number was three billion when we started doing the show. That yeah. was the number that you used anyway. Yeah, right? and now I've heard it's 6.3 billion, and the majority of those are handheld devices which are not conducive to watching a four-hour game. But what they are, I mean, I I love the you know during the the, the tournament in the NCAA basketball because we get a little red zone going right because there's 60 there's the 32 game right. time, and I think it's so cool. And that was our first exposure to it. They got to adopt to the audience. They can't stay true to the tradition of baseball because traditions, look, gas lamps are tradition, but I don't see them. And soon you won't see gas cars, right? Right. That's a good tradition. And yes, some people will own a classic car. And there'll be novelties. But let's go with the time. And gas and, will be $9. Exactly. At least. Exactly. Let, let's go with the times. And MLB is starting to, to catch on. Uh, and bam, they better change their ways because they're way too restrictive. And that's the digital agency. The the part that I think that, you know, we're sports fans. We're around it all the time. I work with the Angels. So, you know, people look at me and go, yeah, this this may or may not work, right? But then I, I tell them this. Talk to your your brother or your girlfriend or your wife or someone who's not into the angels or Doesn't not have into season tickets, right? Or not into it as much as you are. And then ask them when blank player that you've never heard of is up, are you interested in watching that at bat? And of course the answer is always no, even if that person has the ability to do something exciting. But if you say if Mike Trout or Bryce Harper or Justin Verlander throwing a no hitter or something that's interesting they all want to see it, right? I, I I share. I have three daughters and a wife, and I do it all the time. My my wife's a huge Charger fan. She will not watch another. Yeah, she will not watch another football game. And I thought she was a football fan, but she was specifically a Charger fan. But what she is, which is fun, is if I'm watching any sport and there's an exciting emotional moment, and I call over my daughters or my wife, they get into it, right? Big putts, tennis matches, but it has to be that moment. And I think that's the true proof that you can take the emotional moments in sports and feed them to people so they're getting real time the highlights, right? Because it's no good. We, we, we're so uh, 
our appetites, when you watch ESPN now, you already know a lot of the scores. You are, there's no suspense to it, right? And you know what, because someone's told you because of the ubiquity of information. Now, getting it real-time highlights, because that's basically what you do, is an incredible experience for all. Now, if and I'm sure this is where it goes, we get those alerts on our phones, right? That says, "Angels, Mike Trout just hit a home run, Angels are up 4-3. Now, if they start feeding you that highlight immediately, right, and you have the ability to press on it and say, oh, here's this highlight that happened two seconds ago, it's going to increase the views of Major League Baseball. You're going to see other things that you like. You're going to become a bigger fan and maybe have more uh, interest in the team as a whole. And, and merchandise. And uh, they got the right guy, I think, John Skipper, former chairman. He's the chairman of DAZN. He was with ESPN for a number of years left there when they had their mass firing yeah. and then some personal issues earlier in the year. But he's a good guy for this sort of role. I agree, and he understands capture, amplification, and perpetuation of content. And it's not easy when you talk about real-time content. So what's the second prediction that I had? Well, the second prediction, and we'll, we'll keep it right there, we've talked about how to get people in the stands and experience professional sports. And, and there was ways to... Uh, you've come up with a number of them, and I think your best one hasn't been used, which right. was give the kids tickets, basically make them show up the day of, buy a dollar ticket, you know, that sort of deal, and, yep. and give them out to a number of people. Uh, but the Golden State Warriors are doing something where you can get in the game for $100 for a month, right? Yeah, so, month pass. So there's, you know, usually on, on average, that's probably seven or eight home games for, a, for an NBA team. You can get in for a month, but you don't get to watch the game in a seat. Right, you can't even get in the seats now. Yeah, they don't know thirteen-year-old me. I would have gotten in a seat. <laughs> exactly. I might have been sitting courtside. But they give you that opportunity. You get to get in, experience the atmosphere. Hundred bucks. Buy some expensive beer and Absolutely. water. And whatever. Else Go to the there. bars, see the TVs inside, yeah. and be part of the the atmosphere, which still seems kind of cool, and I would probably do it if I was in that area. And with that team, I absolutely would do it, because even if I go to two games, look, we all know that the truth is we have a lot of friends there that you can meet out at the concourse. Most likely, they're going to allow you to sit in the cheap seats if they're open, you know, just knowing the reality of what stadiums and arenas do. So there is actually a place to seat. They just can't guarantee you one. So there's a lot of really positive things. The cool thing is, if you have kids, it could be a lot of fun because they have a lot of activations and experiences and a lot of merchandise and food for those kids. So I think it's a win-win. It's getting along the lines of my prediction that, hey, an hour before the game, kids can come in free and any extra ticket the parent can buy, and it would be an economic gain. In the long run, you want more fans in the arena to go ahead and share, right? Share the content. That's the whole key. Is this a movie pass for sports, potentially? Now, movie pass didn't work because the economics of it is when you say you're going to go to 20 movies in a month, you screw them, right? Because right. they got to go buy the ticket for it. Right. But this, the arena's already there. It's like an, an, you know, the, the empty seat on an airplane. They have to use if, – if you're not there that day – you know, the money yeah. goes away. I like it, too, because part of the problem with movie pass, and my girls had the movie pass, is that not all movies were available, right? And you can't... Well, now you can see, like, Friday the 13th, part six or something. <laughs> right. But moreover, this is cool because you can plan for this. You you know, we used to have the 7-Up Junior Padres for $1.50, and you got 10 games, and they were on my calendar. And I could see my parents doing this and putting those six dates on the calendar, you know, for $100 a kid for the month, and you're, it's a family activity with the basketball. I think it's, it's awesome. Well, we'll see how it goes. I could also see it being the coach to the first class where there's a bunch of people standing at the rope going, 
I wish I could see the game. I wish I knew what was going but maybe on down that's, there. Maybe they'll start buying tickets. Maybe that's the entry point. <laughs> exactly. Well, those were the two predictions uh, that Dave made on the blender well in advance of these things being announced. Uh, some tweaks to them, and we'll see how that plays forward. Thank you for watching on Instagram Live. Uh, stay right with us on the radio side. We'll be back right. in a few. All right, welcome back to The Blender. Jason Redden, Dave Meltzer. Uh, Dave, we didn't get into your schedule this week. Uh, lots of good stuff. Uh, but you're actually in L.A. for the next couple of weeks, which is shocking because you're <laughs> normally all over the world. Uh, in L.A. Uh, through this week, uh, some stuff with the Lakers. You have your holiday party. You're at CES in Vegas after the first of the year. And Super Bowl's coming up. And we your have lined 50 up 20 for events. 50 uh, is about over, right? Your birthday in early January. Big one December 1st, though. Big one in uh, the Orange County area. And I'm going to do a final one at CES on January 11th. Uh, I might do four. I got something with Gary Vee for the Combine. Uh, that we're doing as well. Really good stuff. I I hit it pretty hard, if you didn't notice. Yeah. So the next six weeks, I'm going to go to Tahoe, L.A., a lo- lot of 50 for 50 smaller parties. Um, but I'm really excited about 2019, the Super Bowl. We, we are at over, participating media, sponsorship, speaking, r- Radio Row, over 20 events already with the NFLPA, Gary V and Vayner Sports and Wheels Up, Lee Steinberg, all the biggest parties. Uh, and events, uh, working with uh, the NFL itself and Prime Sports, which was gobbled up by NFL on uh, on site. We have a lot of really exciting things, and I'm looking forward to a huge 2019 for everything that we're doing, including the Blender is going to have its big launch in January. So we're going to have that podcast launch and start getting some serious distribution for the Blender. All right, look forward to it. Lots of cool stuff coming up, and uh, you can always. Follow Dave on Twitter at David Meltzer, DaveMeltzer.com. I'm at Jason M. Brennan. Also on Instagram, same handles, David Meltzer, Jason M. Brennan. And if you're watching on Instagram, uh, first run at that. We do appreciate it. Uh, Pre-Thanksgiving, the show will tape, will record and play after Thanksgiving. Uh, We talked about some of your predictions. Um, I think we have to talk about the uh, Rams-Kansas City Chiefs game, right? Um, Because we have talked about who owns L.A., Right. And how that process moves forward, because we've been doing this show for several years, well before the Rams or the Chargers had fully committed <laughs> to being here. Right. But yeah. once they did, it was become who runs L.A., who owns L.A. I know you're a Chargers fan, but the Rams electricity on Monday night. Uh, I think we don't. I don't think that's much of a question at this point. Yeah, it was a horrible weekend for me. Let me just take you back. The Rams own L.A. First of all, but more importantly, I'm sitting there on Sunday with my eight-year-old, and you know it's a special time. Even though the Chargers are the Chargers, he loves them, and I have dreamed about the day I could sit and watch a ball game with my son, and that's what makes the NFL so terrific, and that's what makes my life so valuable. Is I have traveled the last six weeks, and the highlight. From Portugal to all these places was watching that game and telling up him, until the last minute or no, so. no before it even happened. Pittsburgh was losing, and, and here's what we discussed: Pittsburgh loses, Kansas City's going to lose to the Rams, the Chargers are going to beat Denver, we're going to be tied for first place and beat Kansas City for home field advantage. Right, that's where we were sitting, and instead they played like the old Chargers. Philip Rivers played horribly. The time coaching in the end was horrible. They got a few bad breaks and a few good breaks, to be honest. But they proved to me they are not the Chiefs, they are not the Rams, and they certainly are not the Saints. So what it did was spared me the disappointment of going into the Chiefs game thinking I could have home field advantage, losing that game, being a wild card, and losing in the first round, which is exactly what the Chargers are probably going to do anyway. 
but I still get the time with my hopeful son. The fun thing for me is I've learned to go back to center and not let it ruin my day. And he has it. And so I'm reliving. I just love the fact that he's so disappointed for the whole day. when they I lost. still am upset about the 1979 <laughs> Super Bowl when yeah. the Rams lost to the Steelers. Is that awesome? I mean, I, I would shed a tear if I thought about it too hard Qu- right now. Question for you. Are the Rams better? Because right? you know the Chiefs and Rams play five times out of ten, one would win. I, I believe that, yeah. But who's better, Saints or the Rams? You know, I think it's the Saints. I think the Saints are are the class of the NFL right now, and, and that offense. And as as much as uh, I know you love Drew Brees from his tri- time in San Diego, I love him for all that he's he's a great you know, person. Yeah, he's just a great person. That's probably the easiest way to say it. Uh, I hope that he wins another one. I, and you know, I would love to see the Rams do so. Um, but if Drew Brees ends up winning it, no problems there. I want to tell you a number that maybe you didn't hear. Do you know Vegas had a seven-figure loss on the over on that Monday night game? Because of the pick? It was, it was <laughs> score. No, not even close, honestly. Uh, the <laughs> over-under on that game, do you have any guess what it was? 63. 64. Very oh, good. Yeah. You could you could maybe do that I, as well. Do you look it up somewhere? No, I, I I literally guessed, but it had to be. But I knew it was way over. Okay, forty-one points game. over. But it was the highest scoring game almost ever, right? Wasn't it in the top three ever. Top three, top two, I think. Highest scoring Monday night game ever. Absolutely. Uh, I remember the Chargers fifty-two fifty-three overtime game that they lost to the I think Niners. It was a hundred and thirteen point game, and that yeah. was that came in at one hundred and five. Um, and when if you watched ESPN or you watched any of the shows afterwards, they all basically started talking about how the the level of offense now is sixty points a game. I don't think that, that that's first of all. There's a lot of thirteen ten games still yeah, in the NFL. Thank goodness. Uh, and I also believe uh, without defensive touchdowns, without the fact that both these teams had the ability to score so quickly and so efficiently, uh, you probably never get to that point. But really, one of the all time classic games. And great for the city of L.A., who kind of needed it at that point. Yeah, and they gave so many different tickets to the first responders. They had great with the kids in the community. Um, but it's really nice, just like the Saints had it when they had the big uh, the levee broke and we had the big floods. It's nice with all the fire, and, and, of course, we had the bar situation as well. Right off the heels, the universe works in a weird way that, you know, Mexico City just, that field was not prepared, and they had to bring it back home. And... It was interesting how quickly they put that together. It's not an easy thing. People just think, you know, oh, well, those people weren't prepared to work, right? So there was, and we're closer to a vacation. You don't know who's around. And, you know, all of a sudden you're missing a maintenance person or a scoreboard person. Things change really quickly. And not only did the community come together, but all of the employees for all the different companies that are involved, I think pulled off without a hitch, a sold-out game that may go down in history as one of the best games, regular season games of all time, in my opinion. It, it definitely can be, especially for a game pre-Thanksgiving, right? Yeah. You know, there's a lot of games to decide who goes to the Super Bowl. I'm sure that the people in Buffalo and Cincinnati would uh, would feel differently about that game last year that sent the uh, Bills to their first playoffs in forever. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of big games in the NFL. This one, uh, at least for the time being, one of the biggest uh, let's just touch on a couple of other things because it's the blender. We cover a lot of stuff. Uh, MLB postseason awards came out. Um, these uh, this came out about a week ago. Uh, we didn't do a show a week a week ago, so we're getting to them now. Uh, anything that you liked out of all of those the most? Well, the one that got me was uh, 
uh, Nunez, is that his name, from the Boston, the right. MVP. So I was Well, Mookie Betts won the MVP. Oh, who, what did Nunez win? Is that, did he win something? Shoot. Um, ah, shoot. I'm looking at it right now. I apologize. I'm, I'm off. But nothing really stood out of the, whatever Nunez did, but I can't find it. <laughs> well, there, maybe it was the MVP of the World Series. <laughs> uh, keep going. <laughs> I don't know. Can you help me out. What stood out to you? I I don't know. Well, so I, my favorite was Shohei Otani, right? Because of the right, because Angels. of the impact that he had uh, locally in Southern California. But, but I that's also a no brainer, right? I don't know if it was a no brainer. Who, who do you think could have had it besides him? Well, I think the guys on the Yankees might have split the votes, and okay, and uh, there was some thoughts that they might win. But uh, I think when you look at the overall impact of Shohei Otani, both on the mound and in the batter's box. Uh, that made a difference. Jacob Degrom won the uh, National League. Had a bad record though. That was interesting too, right? Ten, 10 and nine, eight. very similar to what uh, Felix Hernandez did a number of years ago for uh, the Seattle Mariners. But uh, when you look at the teams that had guys, I mean, Mookie Betts. Uh, as much as I hate to see Mike Trout get another second place, uh, Mookie Betts definitely deserved it. And yeah. and Boston had the uh, the incredible year. And so congratulations to all of them. Uh, and also the coaches were in in you know young teams. Which was interesting, right? You had the best season ever with Boston, and yet they they kind of snubbed Cora. I think so. I, I, and so, well, that, I mean, look, if you were going to line those two teams up, Bob Melvin's Athletics, who ended up winning the Manager of the Year, and the Red Sox preseason, they wouldn't have come within forty games of each other, right? Right. So yeah, Bob absolutely. Melvin did a pretty damn good job to get them to the point where they were playing in a postseason game in October. And you do make a good point about the Red Sox. People don't realize, you know, they lost three games in the preseason, had the best record that they've ever had, right, in the regular season, and blew out everybody in the in the playoffs. Yeah, it was not. It, it was a good team. <laughs> it was it was a decent team. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we, we're kind of in that point of the year where the Hall of Fame ballots are coming out, right? Yep. And I see that Tony Gonzalez and Ed Reed uh, are finalists in the NFL. I know that you go to that every year. You see Dave Baker there. You go with your business partner, Warren Moon. It's a big weekend for you. Uh, I like both those guys' chances. Yeah, absolutely. And then Mawa, um, May I can never say his name right. Uh, Maywa, Mawai. Mawai, right? I think he's going to be a, a really good, uh, easy first round, uh, the first pick this year, too. So there'll be three guys that are, are easy to go. Tony Gonzalez, it's interesting because the, you see this transition from Kellen Winslow Right. Antonio Gates actually was with Tony Gonzalez in that era. But now we have a whole new breed of tight end because the offenses have opened up and they're these huge receivers like LeBron James type of athletes like Kelsey and Gronk. These guys are incredible. But I think Tony set that stage as Kellen Winslow did for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Basketball player on the football field. You see it with Gates and and you're seeing it. You know, it's it's becoming definitely more popular right now to go take flyers on some of those guys that are athletes that may not have been football players. Especially for that position. Uh, absolutely. So let, real quick before we get to a break. Uh, playbook. On the MLB, we, we got Playbook yeah. coming up next, and we have Meta World Peace as your guest. And uh, Awesome interview. He is one of my favorite people I've ever interviewed. And our Splice and, team, our eSport team, is merging. We're one of four teams in the whole world that has Overwatch and League of Legends. And the other teams are worth three hundred million right now, so I'm very excited about our investment. So let's meta. get into that. We have that coming <laughs> up next. And and like I said, I've uh, I've probably interviewed uh, Meta I don't know fifteen times over the course. Of, he's always been really good to me. He's come on every show I've ever done, and he is entertaining a hundred percent of the time. Yeah, but and he's smart. authentic a hundred percent of the time too, and and he's very insightful. So hopefully you enjoy what you hear coming up next. 
if you are watching online, take a look at the playbook. Uh, subscribe to that. Find Metal World Peace. We're going to play that, and when we get back, we'll close it up. This is Dave Meltzer with Entrepreneur the Playbook, and I'm so excited, not only because I'm a Lakers fan, but I am a humanity fan. Absolutely. And Metal World Peace here with me on the Playbook. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. It's been overwhelming to be able to have this type of uh, you know, access to all the entrepreneurs, all, all these new uh, these startups and you know, established companies like yourself, IBM. <laughs> it's, it's, it's great for me. It's my first really big conference. So attending it. You know, it's interesting because I, you know, ran a big sports agency yeah. and I always say athletes live two deaths. You know, when you stop playing and then when you actually die. Yeah, it's true. And the transition is not easy because you spend so much time to be the world's best at something. Yeah. And then people just expect, okay, you should know everything about business. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. doctors and lawyers. They think, okay, you're a doctor, you're smart, you're a lawyer, you know, you're the world's best athlete. You should be the best at investing in business, but it takes time. Absolutely. What do you use for? I mean, we, we we are business partners. Yes, I know. Yeah, I'm I know. So right, have, uh, yeah, and then we also uh, my book is it my bookie? Do you work with my bookie as well? No, the no, app? No, 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 no. But I know you have your own app with Great Low yes, and yes, this yes. Great No Malice book, and mm -hmm. you and I, in, in a spiritual sense, yes. are about empowering children. Absolutely. But let's talk about just the transition, the fear that you had compared compared to making it in the NBA and being a huge success. Yeah. You know, what's your biggest fear about going into business? Well, the biggest fear for me was first doing what I love, you know, and I love basketball. I could easily get into coaching, which I am. Yep. I'm not 100% in, you know, <laughs> but I still love to be around the game. The Lakers give me the opportunity to work with the South Bay Lakers and still be involved. You know, I was also thinking about getting my Series 7 when I was retired. Really? And I was like, do I want to be around numbers all day? And then I wanted to, you know, coaching, do I want to just coach right now you know um and philanthropy do i want to do all philanthropy which is really hard so well, one thing i decided to do was help other 501c3s i figured if i help other established 501c3s i can do much more work than just building my own 501c3 yep and how can i you know put everything into one that i love and it's not maybe it's not the best option for me but it gives me a, a medium and i can accomplish everything i want to accomplish and i felt with this app that i created was the way to get that done well, besides our tremendous athletic skills between the two of us, <laughs> we share one thing in common, because I, I get blamed for doing a ton of different things right. as well. And I call it the vertebrae approach. Right. Right. So you can actually have, because I do philanthropy, I have the TV show, the podcast, the marketing agency with yeah, Lauren. And everything. And, but, but what I look for are common variables where each of those things lead to the other thing. It does. And mentorship was what really helped me because I, like you, I was good at what I did, mm -hmm. sports agentry, and before that was technology, but to get involved in entrepreneurship and, you know, a $100 million fund or running right. a TV show, I didn't know any, I didn't even know what executive producer was. Right. <laughs> right, when I right. realized it was someone that could raise money, I'm like, okay. Yeah. How do you kind of narrow this vertebrae? Because you do, you really do it. You have great intention, yeah. but sometimes you can get in your own way. How do you narrow it uh, and what mentorship are you using? What people in your life are helping you with this? Well, life? you know, it's, you got to break through you know, right, the business world. When you're trying to do business and you can't solve a problem, you need a solution. How, how do you um, find that solution? Sometimes that solution is mentorship and advisory, you yeah. know, and I figured that working with a team is the best thing for me. Uh, I remember Kobe had a shot um, to tie the game in, o in Oakland, uh, OKC. Yeah. Uh, about five seconds left. 
and Steve Blake was open, and I gave the ball to Steve Blake, hoping that Steve Blake would have made the shot. He missed the shot, but it's okay. It was teamwork. I trusted Steve. Kobe was very mad at me, <laughs> you know? But it's all about trusting your team, and I feel without my team, I won't win. And I, I, I surrounded myself with great advisors and mostly founders, because I'm, I'm founding a company. I need to surround myself with founders. How, how do you want to build that role model and to empower kids within your vertebrae approach? It's very important, and you said something very interesting. It's not about a kid that failed a class and you're saying you can't play on a team. It's about are you trying to meet the requirements to pass that class? And if you're doing that, you can play on the team. That's what my app is about. You know, it's all about, it's mostly about requirements. It is open source, but to participate in the cool events that we're gonna put on for the masses, we just want you to meet the requirements. Also, and your app's called Gradello, right? It's called Gradello. Gradello, thank you. I'm the name butcher. It's been a common thing, so at least I didn't butcher your name. Yeah, no, it's fine. It's really a hard name, but it's G-R-A-D-E-L-O. Yep. Dot com. Um, and we have the iOS. We're currently raising money to build the website and then to build the Android, right? So, um, but even kids that grow up rich, I mentor some kids that grow up rich, and if you think about it, the youth is the youth. If if a parent, a poor a poor parent gave their ch child 25 cents, and the child said, hey, I want to go buy some chips, and you give the child 25 cents. A rich kid says, hey, I want to go buy the new Kanye's, and you give that child $1,000, both of them have not learned a lesson. They didn't work for the money. They developed the same habits. Some of the kids I work with, some, some of the rich kids I work with, they have habits. So yeah. I can't forget about these young kids that are in drug rehab. You know, it's the same situation as a poor kid that's in prison, incarcerated. We help them both. Yeah. Um, some kids um, don't have a purpose, rich and poor. Yeah. And it's all about the youth because when we're gone, we need that. We need the youth to work together. We, we, we don't need them to be separate, se separate, you know, and that's what that, that's also what we're about. So, you know, in my in my life, I've lost a lot. Of, I was very wealthy when I was young. I was CEO in Samsung's first phone division. I lost everything. <laughs> and like you, you know, I had a pass. It wasn't given to me. I grew mm -hmm. up with nothing. But I found that illuminating my humanness and the vulnerability of telling people yeah, I made these mistakes, yeah, yeah, yeah. but but I've moved on. Was really freeing, and I think people started respecting me more. And I know, you know, I've seen you uh, from Dances of Stars to Big Brothers, and a variety of ways where you're really vulnerable, right? You're just have to be. You're, you're you're human and you're yourself. And I think that your brand has really risen up because people they don't realize when you're on the court and you're trying to win yeah, and you're yeah. hyper competitive. Yeah, you know. That, that's not necessarily your entire personality. If you, you know, get a flagrant foul or you get kicked out of a game, you have one of the longest suspensions, yeah, and yeah, people yeah. will just label you for one incident. Yeah. But you know, yeah. you're a father. You're a community member, a philanthropist. Yeah. How do you deal with the net, the, the negative perceptions yeah. that a few isolated snapshots in your life can define you? And how do you deal with that emotionally? Because we're good people, yeah. right? And it's hard to take. Well. If you're a 19 year old kid, Ronald Chess made it to the NBA. At 10 years old, I had that vision, I seen it. And it was TV, it was like fake, not reality. Yeah. It's very similar to watching Will Smith in um, uh, Men in Black. <laughs> it's TV, and I, I wanna be on TV, but playing basketball. And 
when you get the negative reactions from people, and you're thinking that all people hate you, because originally it's like all people will, will love me if I'm on TV, yeah. but now all people hate me, but that's not the case. You know, everybody has an opinion. When you make a mistake or anything happens on TV, it's not everyone. It took me a long time to understand that not everyone hates me. Right. When I was going through my problems, I wouldn't talk to anybody that I'm thinking the world hates me. Right. So everybody that's on the street, I'm like, he hates me, she hates me. And they don't, half of the people don't even know me. Right. Or Seven billion people on the planet. It's so true. You know? And that's what I like about the internet. You know, I do some stuff with Gary Vee, and yes. he had a great philosophy about building an engaged audience. Yes. And he said, you know, there's 3.2 billion people on the internet. Dave, what if 3 billion of them, out of 3.2 billion, what if 3 billion actually did hate you? Which isn't true, right? Because they don't right, even know right. who the hell I am, let right, alone right. you. But 0.2 billion loved you, were engaged and inspired by yes. you, and you empowered them. That's 200 million people. Yes. In the past, even the great world leaders never could impact 200 million people. That's an entire country. Yeah. And what a significant thing if you just let go of your fear that you need to be loved by everyone. Right. Why is it that people like us, and I know you feel it, why do you think we felt like we needed to be loved by everybody? I think you want to be loved by everybody because you give so much love, you know? And when I was 19, I got drafted. I was given 10 scholarships a year to kids in, in college, in, in high school, sorry. About $4,000 per scholarship. I paid for some kids to go to college. And, and it's like, I want to give back, I want to give back. And then when people hate you, it's like, oh my goodness, everybody hates me. And after all the grades that I've done, I'm entitled. I deserve to be loved, yeah. you know? And it's like, that's just not the case. You know, um, you can't be entitled and you can't just force somebody's opinion. When you were young, and I know there's a lot of good, honest uh, statements about yourself, cathartic. When you were young, could you imagine telling people this about yourself? When I was young, this is this is not what I wanted my life to be. Right. You know, I started out as a kid who wanted to be like Michael Jackson, and I wanted to be a pastor. In fact, you get, you took number <laughs> 37 because of Michael Jackson, Michael right? Jackson. 37 on the number one chart? Absolutely. Yeah, 37 cool. weeks, number one on the chart. Michael Jackson. Can you dance? Changed, I can't dance. <laughs> we saw that, not. actually. <laughs> Dancing with the stars right. proved I can't dance. Yeah. You know, and, you know, I wanted to be with one girl. Yeah. Forever, right? It's all these things I want. I wanted a family and dogs and all. It's like everything I wanted, but things don't happen how you want it all the time. And you got to be prepared. I wasn't prepared when things were starting to go wrong. Um, I, did, I didn't face adversity. Even though I grew up poor, I wasn't able to face adversity. Because think about Interesting. it. Like I said earlier, if you give a kid 25 cents and they don't work for it, they become entitled. So even though I didn't have nothing, the government fed us. Right. And then but college scholarships. And they college scholarships. Free food, and we're poor, but I don't have to work for anything. Yeah, you know. And when it, when it, when I faced adversity, I wasn't able to deal with it. And, you know? and now, now, how do you feel about it? Now, you know, I, I'm, I normalized myself. I started to normalize myself at the age of about, I think, 29. Mm -hmm. So I want to downsize my thought process and everything. Because you know, when you're in the NBA, you always got to pull up in the bins. You got to pull up. You got to put that watch on. That's why I bought, got a do Chevy that. Bolt now. I, I went from a Ferrari to a Chevy Bolt. So I, I downsized my I went to a Prius. No, so, oh, my favorite car. <laughs> that is my favorite car. That is so, that's awesome. Because it's like, before you always feel like if you don't pull up in a bins, then people going to be like, this guy can't afford it. Or, right, he's not successful. Not cool. He's not successful. Yeah. And that, that's stress. Like, yeah. I want to be regular. Yeah, I hated you know having saying? a nice car. <laughs> and everyone thought but I was, nice an, a, everyone I thought I was an a-hole when I drove that car. I was like, look at that guy in the Ferrari. What does he do? Right, right, right. All right, right. La last question. And uh, I'm a huge, I'm, so, I'm just so happy to do this interview here at Rise. Absolutely. To, you know, understand we're going to do some business together. Yes. And we're close by in L.A., so yeah. that'll be fun. 
What legacy do you want to leave when it's all over? Man, you know, I think when it's all over, I want people to be able to create um, and, and set their own destiny. Nice. Some people don't believe in themselves. One example would be if I'm from Queens and I look at those buildings in Manhattan, I'm intimidated to go into one of those buildings and say, hey, I would love to work here, IBM. Yeah. It's intimidating watching those buildings. Or if you're in Detroit and you see the amount of abandoned small businesses, abandoned homes, abandoned factories, uh, can you, are you thinking about rebuilding that community? Instead of all the, the negative that come with it in terms of I'm growing up in this poor environment, what about rebuilding? Nice. Can we give our kids the tools to rebuild plumbing, electrical work, um, how to raise money, how, rebuild your block? Nice. Make it beautiful, see something different. And it's like that type of stuff, I think it's possible. You don't have to live like that for years and years and years. And then also, I think it takes the burden off, you know, corporate America. Because, you know, corporate, it's a capitalism country. Yep. And we want to become rich. Everybody want to become rich. But sometimes we put a lot of pressure on corporate America. We want this money. We need these grants. Invest. Donate. It's a lot, right? Yep. But what about if we come to you with real ideas? And the youth is coming to you with real ideas. And, and they're rebuilding Buffalo, rebuilding Detroit. And these kids are at the forefront of that. I just think it's possible. That's awesome. Well, anything is possible. Yeah. And I love the fact that you inspire others to inspire others. And I'm here to tell you that whatever I can do to help you, you know, love to look at some of your deals and, and see if we can't partner in more. Absolutely. Really a thrill. This is Dave Meltzer with Meta World Peace on Entrepreneur, The Playbook. Welcome back to The Blender. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed what you heard on The Playbook, uh, Meta World Peace. Uh, you have the uh, the sell like Sirhan guy coming up, or you had him on last week too. I saw that on Instagram. Yeah, Ryan. Um, interesting guy. He faded. He faked it till he made it, didn't he? He certainly did. But he's. You know what's funny is he had the skills. Like that guy's a pure closer. He's a salesperson, but he went in and sold himself as like the expert salesman of high end real estate. Never sold. Sh yeah, but he can sell. I, I mean, I actually very rarely sit in a sales type of situation and go like, "That's a great point." Right, like nobody wants to be sold. They they like to go shopping with their friends. That was an unbelievable takeaway. It was worth my whole thing. No, very good. People like to go shopping with their friends. That's better. That's like my big takeaway was always, you know, people buy on emotion for logical reasons. Somebody made a comment. I was listening. I was in a sales environment yesterday, and someone made the comment. Uh, I think they were talking about getting a deal done, and they said. Uh, if you rob Peter to pay Paul, you want to be Paul. <laughs> and I, I don't know if it has That's to so do with good. anything, but I was That's like, so good. I kind of like that. I like that too. I'm going to use that. We got to figure out who to credit for. I, I, I don't know how we'll <laughs> use it. Okay, a couple of things. Uh, MLB, uh, Mariano Rivera probably going in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Um, you, you there's love, some other, you're waiting on that one. Well, you know, I, I, I like the Hall of Fame because if you have to have the discussion, it, they probably don't get in, right? Yeah. Um, but let me throw a couple baseball, other names. In baseball. Right. Let me throw a couple other names out there. Uh, Roy Halladay. Yes. Do you think it's because of the plane crash, or do you think he gets in anyway? I think because of the escalated awareness of the plane crash, yes. All right. Todd Helton? I hope so, but I don't think the first one. Yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah. And Andy Pettit uh, had a great career with the Yankees, won a lot of big games. I don't think so. I don't either. I think he's going to have to wait. All right. Uh, I don't think he gets in. Ever? But, uh, no, I, I right. just think there's a lot of guys in his era that um, did the same thing without steroids. It just I, I don't think any of his his numbers are, are good enough, except, except for, for the his World Series numbers. Yeah. All right, 
Uh, lack of focus from Arkansas football players results in their suspension. Let's finish it here. <laughs> I did not get this one. Players suspended for flirting with Mississippi State's dance team. What do you think? <laughs> I am lost. I, that's what college is about. It's flirting. And I know like a coach can can give guys extra laps for not paying attention or whatever. But I just think it's a bad precedent. Guys, flirt with women. Go ahead. Innocently flirt. You will That's take how that away from made. college. That skill may be the number one thing most people learn in college. All right. Thank you for listening. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Follow Dave on Instagram at David Meltzer. I'm at Jason M. Brennan. Catch you next week.